You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Okay, here we are again, and this is Nicolina Wackerberg from Kulturum Development Unit in Jönköpings County. And together in the room, I have Professor Paul Bethalden, and we had an interview about coaching and uh, coaching the front line and the start of coaching. This time we are going to talk about um, what's happening then, what's happening afterwards, and um, we want to move on. So, Paul. Uh, what, uh, what is the topic today? So thank you very much. I, I think that um, it's a bit artificial to break these things into this uh, um, sequence, but it, it may be helpful to the people to uh, at least be oriented to the way our minds are working right now. And we talked a little bit about preparing for being for doing the coaching, and then we talked a little bit about getting agreement about uh, the job of coaching. Uh, so that there's permission and willingness uh, to um, be coached as well as to uh, function in that coaching role. We were then opening the conversation uh, about specific things that a group of people, for example, might be encountering as they're trying to uh, design a test of change and uh, uh, some various strategies and rules of thumb that have been helpful to me, um, remembering that um, my job as a coach is to invite uh, uh, the curiosity and interest of others rather than to try to tell them what to do. But now today, or this in this session, I'd really like to focus on um, moving from um, the active work um, to um, putting a ribbon on the on the on the work or or uh, uh, adjourning the the uh, the activity. So uh, during the during the work of of um, testing a change, um, assuming that you have a clear knowledge of the strategy, the lived reality of the persons we sometimes call patients, the current state of the as is a state of the of the system, and some understanding of the uh, way science has been able to inform the practices that we ought to have in our focus. With that as a backdrop, we then um, start to imagine uh, some um, changes that might uh, be worth uh, testing. And it, it, we get a change idea, uh, and uh, um, we begin to try to think through the logic of, if we were to do um, this change, how, how, how do we think that would work? How, how did that how how would that change have its effect? And if we have that kind of imagination about the way the change might work, we then uh, can begin to think about what we might be able to measure or observe in a, as we go along uh, making the change. And if, if we um, give ourselves permission, we can think about um, what we don't want to happen as we try to make a change, um, for example, we for sure might not want this to happen. And we want to be able to measure, 
and observe not only for the things we want to have happen, but for the things that we hope will not happen as a result of the change. And as we engage in that process, we might have more than one idea, and so you have to go through some process of identifying which of these various interventions we might want to try first. And of course, it's helpful to have some kind of understanding about the leverage of, uh, of, of a particular intervention, uh, how much change a, a single change is likely to bring about. I think that Kurt Lewin's observation about you really get to know a system when you try to change it. And so whatever happens, we're going to learn about the system because the system is going to, is going to respond to our efforts to uh, disturb it. And when we disturb it with the change we're putting in, uh, the system will tell us in how the system responds to us. And that's a helpful, that's helpful insight into the system. And along the way, uh, I think it's helpful to, uh, as, a, as a coach to, to, to continue to invite people to notice how the system is sending a signal to us about our efforts to change. Because um, it isn't like we dream up a change and we sort of work to put the thing in place. Um, uh, we do the training of people, the various all the people we have to have involved and in working with us, and that the system just usually lays back and says, bring it on. I mean, I'm so happy you're changing. So, so the system is telling us stuff if we allow ourselves to notice what the system is telling us. And the signals the systems would give off might come in the form of data that we're expecting or in the form of uh, reactions that we aren't expecting. And uh, inviting people who are in the midst of making this change to notice that and to try to understand what the system is trying to tell us is one very helpful thing because we're now introducing this idea that we can learn from the change. We can learn as we introduce this change. And that learning or what people have noticed, uh, uh, I think becomes important to, to um, um, call attention to as you're doing it, because you want to establish that learning together is what uh, this is all about. And uh, this is an example of uh, recognizing a signal that the system is giving us. At any rate, we're going forward. We make the change. The change worked as we hoped it would work. There didn't seem to be any problems with it. What, what do we have to do to hold this change in place so that it, it, would, it would be a a, a, a predictable, reliable kind of situation. Um, uh, those kinds of considerations are, are, are the kinds of things that a coach might invite people to, to consider. Um, but we finally make a conclusion that uh, the change, the intervention that we made really did produce a good change. It looks like we can sustain this change either by the way we orient people or the way we change what we measure or by the way we do some routine activity that has the effect of holding the current system in place. And then we face, well, do we need to keep meeting? And here's a little bit of sadness because if the thing has been working well, people actually have, have taken a certain amount of pride in, in what uh, has been able to be accomplished. And people don't want to give up that uh, kind of um, opportunity to experience uh, pride and joy in their work. And so they're a little reluctant to sort of, well, 
um, it's been fun meeting and we've really been able to do stuff together. I kind of hate to say goodbye to this uh, uh, activity. Well, let's pause a moment and think about what we did learn and uh, take stock of, of uh, how, we, how we learned that. So what did we learn and how did we learn that? And um, um, just open the possibility, just like opening a door just a little bit. Um, I wonder where else we could apply that kind of learning in our other work so that what you're doing is you're beginning to offer people this bridge to the way they usually do their work in the usual settings, not in this team that's been called together. And I've had teams that uh, after this is over, decide to, um, well, let's, let's not quit meeting altogether. Maybe, maybe we meet in, in a couple months and we just sort of see how, how uh, we maybe have coffee or, or maybe we uh, uh, have lunch together or something like that and reflect back on, on uh, um, sort of what we learned and, and how uh, you've been able to take that learning forward. Um, but I think that, and recently I had a group that wants to have a, a, such a gathering 20 years after we did what we did. <laughs> and that's the longest that I've ever uh, um, seen a group of people who want to get back together again. And I think, think that's it. wonderful. If you are going to reflect for 20 years back, probably you say something else than when you just reflect of after course. one month. Of course. So, so can you can you share some of the things when you look 20 years back? But no, it's coming up in, in oh, a few months. Up. Oh, that's So they're planning it now. Oh, that's very so I'm curious. I'll be able to tell you in a yes, few months. Yes, yeah. yes, that's really nice. Okay, so we were talking about the joy in work and the pride in work. And mm -hmm. yes, I recognize that some people don't want to leave the team. Yeah. But you also had the other part. You said, oh, it's done. Now, yeah. now it's nice. Yeah. I, I can yeah. do something else. Um, so keeping the balance again, yeah. um, meeting by telephone maybe, just yeah. catching up, yeah. uh, but have some kind of connection so that you are starting these learning networks who are there always. So yeah. that's not just a, a project that you are doing. Well, you, you, I think the aim for me is to, is to help people notice how learning can be and is a part of the regular work yeah. and that it's not some kind of strange deal where we adjourn work and then learn. Now I will provoke you a little bit. Good. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but sometimes I'm a bit sick and tired of people who say, oh, I learned so much. Yeah. And okay, you learned so much. So how, how will we notice that, that you did it? And in what way will the organization um, have, uh, have some advantage of this? Um, so, so how do we get the learning up to another level that something is happening? So I, uh, so I love that challenge. So my sense is that um, in those circumstances, um, I would go back to the person who said that, and I would say just exactly what your concern was. So it's really nice that you learned this by participating in this activity. But you know, I, uh, and I'm not opposed to your learning at all. I'm interested in your learning. But actually, I'm very interested in the way the organization and the others who work here have the ability to learn. So how might we uh, move what you learned and the way you learned it so that others in the organization might do that? For example, just the people you work with. How might we, how might we so, sort of uh, make it possible for them to have insight into what and how you learned what you learned? Um, 
I like Brenda Zimmerman's way of thinking about that. She, after somebody had described a situation, then she would say, so what? I mean, how do we, and then she would say, after so what, now what? And after the now what, then what? Yeah. And so my sense is that there's what, so what, now what, and then what? And I think that what she's doing is moving beyond just the reflection on an individual or a personal basis to what it means for the context and the individual working together. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I keep that in mind. I already wrote it down also in your change packet. You said, if we will do something, then what? Mm -hmm. And so what? So it's, you can use these words, these yeah. questions in a yeah. lot of um, yeah. context. Yes, that's great. I, I think we as coaches have some kind of responsibility as well to, to lift the learning. Yes. That the learning is not staying right. in the team and not staying in right. the person. Right, uh, right. Th that we keep it up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thank I mean, a coach who himself or herself doesn't learn isn't very able to help others learn. <laughs> no. And so part of the challenge, it seems to me, in coaching is to find ways to keep your own learning alive and and uh, active. Yeah, we have a part in the coaching that they, they make their own competence plans. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how are you coaching them to, to make that plans? Do you have special questions or special meetings about that? Or are they sitting at home at a desk and making these plans? Well, sometimes I've noticed uh, patterns and I will suggest a theme that people might think about. If it's a meeting of coaches, for example, um, I, re I remember one time I was meeting with a group of coaches and, and uh, they were a little worried about uh, their own vulnerability in the organization and what the, they should be uh, speaking as openly about things as they were speaking. So um, I asked them the basis of that. I said, well, we might you know, we might lose our, our uh, opportunity to be coaches. We might lose our job. We might be asked to sort of work somewhere else or do something else. And so <laughs> we, we undertook a, uh, an exploration of uh, uh, financial planning and the importance of coaching um, saving money so that they have more flexibility in their own work life. And so that is not part of a routine coaching curriculum, but it's illustrative of me noticing a pattern and then suggesting uh, a specific learning. Um, another uh, way in which uh, I might engage um, the coaches, for example, I was working with a group of uh, doctors who were going to become coaches to junior doctors, and they hated the term coach. I mean, it wouldn't fit on any respectable uh, academic uh, resume, and so they wanted to think if there wasn't some other word. So we actually did a word study on coaching, and we did uh, an exploration of what the alternatives were. And they concluded that actually coaching was not a bad word, and it might actually be a good word to describe uh, what they were intending to do. So uh, I, I, there are many different invita uh, sort of um, provocations about uh, um, coaching and learning that uh, have occurred for me. And I think that um, my own learning and sharing the benefits 
uh, through stories that have been useful for me uh, have been another way in which I've been able to invite uh, an openness on the part of others to uh, explore that same territory. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, the, the coaches are the whole time um, supporting teams to learn. Uh, and now we are a bit looking at how does the coach himself learn? Yeah, yeah. And how keep the how is the coach keeping the energy? Yeah. Not only yeah. the learning, but also the energy. Right. Uh, it's hard work to be a coach. It is hard work. And so some community is really important. Uh, one of the things that has been very important for me to suggest for people who are uh, starting out in this work as c- coaching or, or facilitating change on an active basis is that it sometimes is quite lonely. And so having some community that is real for you, one that offers real support for you, I think is really critical. And I've been a part of many adult learning communities as um, in my life as I reflected on it. And each of these um, has had this ability to be um, safe in that community to uh, engage in open conversation with one another and uh, to share our curiosity and uh, the uh, places where that curiosity might lead us. Yeah, so this podcast is just um, one part of the community. Yeah. So in a way, we are inviting all the people yeah. to join this community yeah. and yeah. maybe send in if you have some questions or ideas yeah. to other people we can interview or other things. You are very welcome to drop a line to us. Um, I just want to go somewhere else and that's you talk about me about an article that we want to to discuss a little bit. Um, yeah. Could you help me again and remind me about that? Yeah, there are two articles that I think are, are have been uh, helpful uh, summaries of our thinking about this. One is an article that appeared in the International Journal of Clinical Leadership in 2008. And that's a paper about coaching physicians in training or junior doctors to lead improvement in clinical microsystems. And the other is a chapter in the book, um, Sustainably Improving Healthcare, um, that uh, Tina Foster and I edited. And there's a chapter in that book, chapter seven, which I'll try to find a way to make available to you, that is the actual description of the coach development process and then some illustrations of the way these coaches have worked with their junior doctors. Yes, and um, these articles and chapters we will put on the website on the Coaching Go. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit more about this chapter seven, the coach development? Sure. So uh, we had this group of people who functioned as coaches and we spent time um, uh, in uh, advance of their work as coaches, uh, thinking through what uh, this uh, uh, job of coach really was and how a process might work if, if uh, they were going to engage a junior doctor in that process. And we describe the um, relationship and um, the kinds of things that um, these people found helpful um, in their uh, work with uh, residents um, and that relationship with residents. And then um, we talk about their own professional development as coaches and how over time they 
um, what they might monitor, what they might reflect on, how they might proceed with this. And then uh, we take some examples of um, this kind of work where um, the, the coach is illustrating in the example how they have been at work as a coach. And uh, then we have the uh, feedback as well in that chapter about the person who was coached. So there's a feedback uh, about the experience of being coached that is also uh, a part of this uh, uh, chapter. And that was fun to put together and, and uh, these stories are, I think, um, very interesting uh, stories. Um, they're from real life as coaching was going on. Yeah, so there you can find some good examples yeah. and learning lessons yeah. Uh, yeah. as a coach. And then the other article you mentioned, um, we are using that article because we have coaches for our master students. In the other article, there is um, some kind of summary, a, a box at what the what what is helpful. What did the students tell tell your coaches? What is very helpful? Um, could you tell me a bit about that box? Uh, yeah, the one on coaching techniques and tips or the one on barriers. There's another box on barriers. Or take and, the coaching uh, techniques. That's okay. uh, nicer than talking so, about barriers. <laughs> so the coaching techniques, uh, there are maybe 10 dot points there. First is to establish a regular meeting time. Second, uh, observe the person in action uh, so that you're not just dealing with the reports of people about what actually happened. Um, come prepared to challenge the resident and to advocate for the junior doctor. Uh, listen closely to understand their mental models and the way they're making sense of, of what's going on and what their values are underneath that because you'll get uh, clues about why they have chosen, uh, what they have chosen to be important. And then uh, find a way to uh, surprise the the person who's being coached with a new insight. Don't just don't just restate what what they've already uh, brought to you, but um, be um, fully present as a coach, so that you're processing in fresh ways what they're uh, signaling uh, to you. Demand clarity in the goal setting and consequence thinking. Somebody says, "This is what my goal is." Well, what the hell does that mean? I mean, how do we? How should we understand that? And uh, and if, if that's the case, what's the consequences of that? Um, and um, find ways to, to um, give uh, more emphasis to questions and less emphasis on advice. Uh, and uh, find a way to um, uh, invite the uh, person who is being coached to uh, take risks uh, that are worth and important to take, but offer something of a safety net underneath them as they take the risk uh, by discussing in advance what the risks might be and what kind of strategies might be helpful to them. Uh, set high expectations for performance um, and uh, be a role model. Um, I think this teach leadership always and use words uh, only when necessary. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about um, Hicks. He is writing a model about coaching and he's uh, 
talking about that the coach is balancing the act of supporting and challenging. Yeah. And that's a bit what the same what you were exactly. saying. Exactly. Um, it's exactly. Um, surprise them, uh, not too much. Don't take them out of their safety. You have to take them out of their safety zone, but yeah. they still have to feel comfortable yeah. uh, in it. Uh, well, what am I talking now? I'm telling you, they, we have to take them out of the comfort zone, <laughs> but still in a comfortable <laughs> way. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> that's right. So challenging and supporting, but they have to feel safe yeah. so that they yeah. don't lose face. Yeah. I think that's yeah. uh, most important. Okay, is there uh, some summary what we have been talking about this time? Uh, we have been digging dip deeper in the coaching part and giving some tips about coaching. Um, well, coaching for me is learning. And uh, it's just a way of facilitating learning, not only in the coach, but in the people who are coached. Yeah, I think that's a very nice summary. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. And You're see welcome. You later. Thank you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.